9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome to a 9to5.cc podcast crossover event. The reason it's a crossover event is because it fits both into our Oceaga podcast series and our Go Plug Yourself podcast series because this episode is an interview with Montreal arts and entertainment legend Nick Farkas, the founder of the Oceaga Arts and Music Festival uh, that is, of course, happening July 29th to the 31st at Parc Jean Drapeau coming up. Uh, Nick sits down with Sarah and I to talk about uh, all things Oceaga from the first Oceaga to talking about the variety of music, talking about how important food is to the festival, how hard it is to make the poster. Uh, Nick talks about his picks for this year, um, artists that want to come back. There's way too much to get into. Uh, if you want to find out about the comp- Complications, I guess, of booking a festival the size of Oshiaga and finding out about uh, what kind of makes it so special as per the founder of the festival. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss this one. Uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and uh, as always, see you guys hopefully at Oshiaga. And uh, if not, just sit back and enjoy an awesome interview with an amazing Montrealer. Both are wins. Enjoy the show. <laughs> So this is episode is a little different from what we normally have been doing. I don't understand. <laughs> normally we've been, you know, uh, digging into the lineup of Oceaga day by day, uh, limiting ourselves to everybody who's not on the headline of a day on the poster, listening to yeah. hours and hours of playlists, uh, picking our some of our favorite like old and new artists and, and reviewing them. And the reason we've done that is because we like to think of ourselves as like Oceaga, uh, like veterans, right? And vets, I guess, right? Like we've been to, we've been to most. Sommeliers. Ah, Oceaga sommeliers. Sommeliers. Oh man, we might need to. Cashing it. (laughs) We might need to rename the show. So we've been to most Oceagas. uh, But then someone reached out and told us they'd actually been to all of them. (laughs) <laughs> what super fan super fan of Oceaga and then it turns out that he may have created the festival oh so <laughs> uh so we decided so extra super fan <laughs> extra super fan uh yeah I think when you're into music enough uh that you decide to start one of like North America's like premier music festivals I think that's a that's like a, a big achievement unlocked um so yeah Nick Farkas is joining us on this episode Nick how are you I'm doing good, doing good. It's crunch time. Months, months and a half, five weeks till the festival, so things are getting a little, are a little crazy. So yeah, I and I mean, I just to obviously this is the Oshiaga show, so we're going to talk about Oshiaga. But you were just mentioning that you're also obviously with Havenko and stuff of all the like Francophilie and stuff. So the, you've been in like, I guess, an absurd crunch post pandemic. Like everything's coming back full force. That's has it been absolutely crazy? Uh, yeah, I'd say you know it's been it's been it's been crazy. It's a, it's off to a good start. The Franco was good. Um, we had you know a couple of nights with less great weather, but just seeing the reaction, people back out, tons of people out for the shows, and uh, it's been it's been awesome. But yeah, challenging post COVID, everything seems you know it's complicated enough doing these things when when everything's normal, <laughs> but post COVID when you can't get staff and you can't get suppliers have no stock and you know everything's just been that much more difficult for our teams to put together but they were able to deliver a spectacular first festival so we're one down four more to go <laughs> and uh and uh looking forward to the jazz kicking off uh 
in a few days next week. Yeah, I know I'm going to be there definitely. Like, a, yeah, so yeah, next next Thursday, uh, right, uh, right. Passion Tana so, kicks it off. Yeah, so I'm missing it. Me too. <laughs> Sarah's going to be out of town. I'm driving back. <laughs> I'm coming back Friday, but maybe I'll make it in time. Who knows? I don't want to miss Tash. Yeah. Tash is great. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. she's amazing. The that the jazz jazz fest this year also. I, I feel that there's like a, a kind of a feeling of a lot of a lot of stuff that's happening is like pulling out all the stops because we've had like we have like pent up festival energy for three years. Yeah, for sure. At this point, like I was just gonna say, we really you know our focus for all the festivals this year was was on the you know the comeback trail from post the post COVID comeback tour <laughs> uh, was to really you know, focus on talent and, you know, having the roots of jazz and Tash and like, you know, having, we really like all, all of the booking team were, were our main goal was to just put the best, best lineups out there possible. We really wanted to go talent heavy and especially on the outdoor shows. Cause we knew people would be stoked to, to be back outside and hard to say what was going to happen with COVID and stuff. So like people are feel better and more comfortable outside. So mm -hmm. we really went, we went large outdoors and it's, yeah. it paid off on the front goes. People were, you know the the first the first week of shows it was, has been really good. I I it was packed. Like I walked through the Franco's just just coming back from uh, that Pink Mural Festival, and just like I was mm -hmm. blown away. Like because I mean again I was like, are people gonna are thousands of people gonna come out? Like it's kind of a question mark. I think even like until you see it, and then you're like, oh yeah, everybody's just so hyped to be yeah. back. I think everyone 100%. is just hungry for live music and being outside and experiencing exactly. montreal at its fullest yep that's what we're witnessing so far and uh I, you know so far so good like the 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 other festivals are looking good too uh our other you know shaga sonic lasso we mm -hmm. are you know lasso's our first year but the other two are, are ahead of where they were in 2019 so that's always a good sign that's awesome amazing and you expanded i mean i guess yeah we'll, we'll hit it like you expanded il sonic even this year right like it's the first is the first time it's three days Gone to three days for the first time. Uh, yeah, we had an opportunity to do Swedish House Mafia. And, uh, yeah. so I think we're the only two festivals they're doing in North America were Royal Sonic and Coachella. So we felt like we were in pretty good company, <laughs> and it was a good uh, it was a good roll of the dice to to take it to three days. We've wanted to do that for a while, and the opportunity was there. We I remember with Oshiaga, we did it when we had uh, yeah. Eminem for the added him on the Friday. So kind of looking for that big act that's going to be the catalyst to take it to yeah we were uh we were before before any of this even even came together before we found out that you like listened to the show and were willing to come on and, and all of that sarah and i were kind of running down the like historical the full list yeah like, going going through every year we we're like were we there that year or were we there all three days one day two days uh back and forth and i was like missing uh we did the saturday sunday that year but missed the friday uh, and that like it, oh, no. it, well, well not, it was just <laughs> cost and scheduling and, and whatever else and it was just like it was we a like, good year regardless yeah yeah exactly we we're just like looking through that lineup and you're just like oh yeah like kid it's koala charles insane. bradley Bran van and eminem were like you know broken social yeah. scene Janelle Monet. i was like oh man i was like looking through that. i was like that friday was so great <laughs> it was stacked and, it, and we put it together really last minute it was a uh, the friday didn't exist until eminem decided to do it and we got the call i got the call from from the agent um i was actually at a shome 50th anniversary party i think uh some i think it was robert de young one of somebody from i think it was the guy from sticks yeah who's <laughs> playing and uh and i get this call and i see it's her calling from new york so i'm like i better take this because i don't want to miss 
And she's like, "He's Eminem's going to do it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, we kind of assumed that it was dead. And then she's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to do the Friday. And I'm like, uh, she's like, who else is playing? I'm like, uh, give me a, give me a couple of days. And I'll get back to you on that. Cause we didn't have, we didn't have anyone else booked. So then it, it all like just flowed and, you know, I'll never forget Charles Bradley, like on stage, you know, after a set, he was crying. He was so happy and excited just, you know, being in front of that many people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So that was uh, a great memory of, 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 uh, of Charles Bradley. That's even more no with us. regret yeah. for us. Mm. Yeah. Sorry about that guys. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to <laughs> just rub salt it in. in the wounds. Yeah. 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 Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> it's all that, good. That reminds me on, uh, on social media, the, uh, last last week or whatever um busy p like pedro winter uh daft punk's manager shared the email of uh from someone from coachella being like listen i know it's a long shot but we put together an offer for daft punk like pretty sure we know the answer is no and then he's just like actually we have a small stage and i was like i can just imagine that booker just like like running around the Losing office to be like, yo, Daft Punk just said yes. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine. I mean, it was a, that was the similar for us at that stage of the festival too. Like going into that year, mm-hmm. um, the opportunity to go to three days was huge, and that was really the catalyst moment. I'd say was Eminem to to take us to you know that was the first day that ever sold out. I guess to 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 pull it back, that was obviously when you guys went to three days. Uh, to pull it back even 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 further. How does it happen in like 2006 that you're like, okay, I'm going to start a music festival the size of Oceaga. I think like Montreal's always been a festival city and you're like, listen, I'm going to shoot my shot and throw a festival into this mix and try to put it together. Like, like what, what leads up to that, I guess, as a music fan, as a booker, as a, as a personal journey for for you, like, how does that even happen? I mean, honestly, it was kind of, I mean, first of all, me saying I did it is, is, is crazy. Like there was so many people involved, like our team, our team was tiny at the time, but there was still like 20 people working their butts off that summer to even try to do it. Cause we, we didn't staff up. We didn't hire any new people. We just basically, you know, we hired a couple of people to, to, to work at the show, but we were doing it all as well as the other, you know, hundreds of shows we were doing a year. So it was kind of a, it was crazy. Everybody really worked, didn't sleep. We worked weekends and it was, it was a lot of fun to put together in hindsight. But I think what the catalyst for us really was, um, there was a bunch of tours that would come through at the time, like these, these tours that would come across Canada, Edge Fest, Somersault, you know, the more they were coming out of, you know, Ontario basically. And we were realizing sometimes they, they put a lineup together that would work for us. Sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes, you know, we were doing the shows in the Maritimes. It would work in the Maritimes. It wouldn't work in Montreal. So we would, were really focused on, we wanted to create something that was Montreal centric that reflected, you know, the, the music that people in Montreal wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted the cultural aspect, the food, uh, art, everything. And we really believed that if we built it, they would come. They didn't at first. But eventually, I did. <laughs> you did, yeah. So there was a few, few, few loyal people there, but it was amazing the first few years. But yeah. every t- you know, it was, it was kind of like we did that that first year. And I remember Ben Harper. I've, I've, I've told the story quite a few times, probably over the years. But Ben Harper playing in the rain at the end of the festival, and kind of we. This where this tradition of watching the last set from the top of the hill and looking at the city, looking at the site. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing there going, "Well." That was a lot of fun and it was really hard, but there's no way there, there's no way they're ever going to, you know, our bosses at the time were ever going to let us do it again. And, uh, we, we managed somehow to convince um, our boss at the time to do it a second time. And then 
similar feeling after year two and it where year two wasn't as successful as we'd hoped either and then year three it sort of started to feel like there was maybe a chance that they'd let us do it in year four but uh, <laughs> those first four those first three years for sure until we got Coldplay uh, which was a, like just a huge 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 win for us because people couldn't even pronounce the name of the festival up until that point even then even now people can't pronounce the name of the festival but oh so many people the name is i mean we, we're assuming we're pronouncing it right anyways but uh, <laughs> it's uh it's difficult to um to, it was a, it was a hard process but it was you know it was it's from having done a lot of other festivals and i think from you know we did i've been book, book, booking shows probably for a good 50, 10 years at that point and uh, doing a lot of club stuff getting into more arena things and the festivals i love like the concept of the festival the concept of multiple bands outdoors we were more looking at what was happening in europe and we thought we could do that style of festival multi-stage multi-genre be very like a vast tableau of, of, of artists that we could pick from and uh, I remember, you know, another story I've told a ton of times is talking to Andre Menard, who was the founder, of, one of the founders of the Jazz Festival, and I remember talking to him and he was always like, oh, you know, what bothered him was as, as the festival evolved and he did all kinds of other styles of music, people would be like, well, that's not jazz. You know, that's not, the purists would get all up So he, he was, he, you know, I remember that sticking in my head. I'm like, we've got to do something that no matter what we book, people won't be able to say that's not Oceaga. So I think, you know, that first year with having Sonic Youth and Ben Harper headlining, that was like, at the time, that was the polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And uh, and everything in between from, you know, like reggae and hip hop and electronic music right from the start allowed us to really never have anybody ever say, well, that doesn't make sense. So it's it's been fun to watch the progression of how things work. Uh, I think the thing as a sort of a evolving music fan, uh, and I mean, like I said, listening to the, the rest of the show, the recommendations that Sarah and I have, like we go all over the map because as music fans, that's where we're at now. We're not looking to just necessarily sit there and listen to hip hop all day. I want to go to yeah. listen to hip hop or and then listen to alt rock, listen to electronica. Let's float around and stuff. And that's, I think early on, that was why we got into Oshiaga as fans was you're like, oh, I'm going to see... Uh, like our, our general rule of thumb was always uh, like to take a look at the lineup. And if we could find like 10 bands that we would go see individually, that was just like ticket justified. We're like, that's, that's, you're like, oh, if, just mathematics and economics of it. That was our, always our approach to a will we, won't we go. Yeah. Or, or can we actually afford to go the both of us at one point? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when things were a little bit tougher when we were younger yeah. but yeah that that was definitely the how do we how do we justify it? <laughs> and it definitely made it easier and and more appealing even for like my friends too who are also younger than Keith and his friends to be like hey guys if you think about it this is like nothing if you think about it as like 10 bucks an act that you're going to go see or whatever, you know, you're like, all of a sudden. We, we tried to market it that way at some point. Like I remember doing it and I was like, why are people complaining about the ticket price? It works out at the time, I think in the beginning, you know, it was like, I'm like, it works out to like four bucks a band. Like you yeah. pay 30, 40, 20 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it was at the time to go to see a show in a club. Yeah. Like we're giving you this, this amazing bargain. And some people totally bought into it the way you guys did but other people are still like it's super expensive and it is it wasn't you know 
you're building a small city. So it's like, it, it's not going to be, you know, we always have tried to keep the ticket prices as reasonable as possible. And as ticket prices have gone through the roof, like for arena shows and club yeah. shows, mm-hmm. we've been managed to keep it consistent ish over 15 years. Like our, our increase, you know, this year, every, you know, there's always got a, you know, the, the American dollar is always a factor. And yeah. now you know, yeah. inflation, inflation with COVID is just, is, is making everything more difficult for everybody. But it's a, it's, it's a, it's a preoccupation, especially starting out. We were in the same boat you guys were in. We had no money. So it's yeah. like we're there. we didn't, we didn't, you know, we knew that our friends would always be on the guest list forever if we didn't make the ticket price you know, somewhat reasonable. So, yeah, uh, they 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 still push the guest guest list thing. So I was in Dawson, like when you guys first started. This is like I always tell Keith this because it was like me, and my friend Patrick. We went to there was like the student union thing where you can like sometimes get show discounts and whatnot, and we're like, and, and they were just they had it for like two days. And they just had tickets saying like festival, whatever, discount. We got the tickets. We're like, I don't even know what this is. We don't even know how to say it. And we're like, okay, cool. And so like I bought like my ticket and I was just like, I don't even know who I'm going to go with. And because we both bought um, tickets, but he didn't know he was going to come. So I ended up going like alone in the beginning because we had different work schedules. So he worked during the day and I worked at night. So like I went actually the first set of the bands and then I like, I, I was like, how do I call in sick? But they know that I'm here. <laughs> I can't do it. I really want to stay. But it was so such a weird experience to like think back being like, I went for half of the show. Like, I don't even, I can't even think about doing that anymore. I'm just like, there's too many good bands and like pulling myself away. It would be impossible now. And even then I was just like, this is amazing. How is there no one here? And oh, I, I, just, felt, I felt the same way. I'm like, how come there's no one here? Like I, why? Yeah. The weather was, the weather was definitely not, did not cooperate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happened. At all. But like yeah. every year when Dawson had it, we're like, that is it, doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so awesome. fun and like getting, and then like all of our friends that worked like at the radio and stuff like that at Dawson, like we'd all get our tickets. So I mean, yeah, it was so fun. But cool. um, yeah, I, I still remember like walking in the park and being like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> That's I felt the same way. I felt the same way. But I'm glad. I love hearing these stories because it yeah, it makes it all seem worthwhile in, yeah. in retrospect. Like one of one of our friends describes it often as like like musical Disney World kind of in terms oh of my like, God, like, yes. like you said like building a small city, you know, where you're just sort of like he's like he's like you're in another place when you're at Oceaga, like because you I, as you said you like, there's the music first of all, but then all the aesthetics and like the pop ups, the art, the, yeah. yeah, the food. You're like everything that you said, it, it it's like clicking. Like, oh yeah, this is super Montreal. When you think, oh yeah, you have like the the food that we really eat, and that's yeah, we like love. Uh, <laughs> you guys started bringing the food trucks. Also, that was like that. Also, became like another. Perk, I almost right? cried of joy. <laughs> well, that was. I mean, up to that point, they weren't. They were illegal, so it was hard yeah. To, yeah. to get them. Yeah, but no, it's the food has always been in a super important aspect. I think that was kind of. Um, our calling card internationally for a lot of artists because we really early on in the process I was like well Montreal's although it's a big city it's not a major market Mm -hmm. and we knew that we'd have to attract I mean we knew we'd have to make it compelling for fans and make it compelling for the artists Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so right from the start, our priority was feed everybody well. Um, yeah. The first couple of years, it was, it was, you know, it was more rudimentary and it was more <laughs> traditional, let's say hot dogs. I remember arguing with our, our concessions guy. I'm like, I'm like, you got to have stuff that's vegetarian. He's like, it's like, they can have pizza. I'm like, but it's got pepperoni on it. He's like, they can take it off. And I'm like, no, they can't. <laughs> They're vegetarians. They don't want to touch pepperoni. But literally those kinds of arguments early on with our, with our, because we were more, you know, the company was very traditional at that point. It was a lot of, you know, our concessions people were the guys who were doing the bell center stuff. Yeah, so, of course. But then it gradually, like, even I remember Alec, who was the guy, he was like, he's like, oh my God, I found this, 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 you know, these guys who do this and that. And he, everyone got super into it. And then it became, you know, like the, kind of the calling card. And uh, we work with a couple of great chefs, Danny Smiles and Chuck Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the artist world and, and our artist world is like what they've created is legendary. Like literally uh, when I get introduced to people in that, that don't know me or, you know, at other festivals or in other, other cities, they're like, Oh, this is Nick. Uh, he does Oshiaga in Montreal. I'm like, Oh, the festival with the food. Like everyone talks about your food. And we've had, you know, every fe- we've had festivals from all over the world come to check out our catering to see how they do it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's a calling garden. I think, you know, part of the Montrealness of it, you know, is that, uh, we really wanted to create like a micro Montreal on the yeah. island and love it that people want to get, you know, I've had friends that came in early, like the first couple of years and then didn't come for like six or seven years. And then to see the evolution and they were just like, one of my best friends, he hadn't been for like seven years. And then finally, I think he came like year nine or 10 and he was like, Oh my God, like this is not even like the same realm of thing you've got what this is like is nothing like anything else out there and i was like yeah because it's such an amazing site you're able to go from zone to to, to different environment yeah and that's what i mean i think we have one of the greatest festival sites in, in the world and uh it's you know it's so much fun for our team to to try to create that that experience the curation of the art and the food yeah. and the music and how to go, uh, you know, you want to be, you want to, you want that small, intimate artist experience in a, with the tree stage, or do you want the massive festival experience and you get them all. And uh, that's really what the goal was from the beginning. Oh man. Honestly, it's like the best. Cause you, it depends on, you know, how you're feeling at that time and being able to have those different vibes and like, you know, it's all its own experience, but it, it's holistic in a way. Like anyone who hasn't been there, like you, it, it's, it's, it's like hard. Exactly. It's just hard for people to um, like appreciate it if you haven't really been there, but it, it's so true. And I kind of feel like even when you walk like through the different stages, like it's progressive to like the different types of vibes. At least that's the way I feel. Maybe it's the way I walk through them. I don't know. <laughs> but that that's like one of the things that I really appreciate. I'm like, oh, I'm so happy that they're on this stage. Like, this is amazing for them. Like, I would, I would really want to see them on that stage. And then they are, you know, like, it just, um, it really sets the tone with the music. And I feel like that is something also really special that you don't get anywhere else. Like you're not going to get that at a club and you're not going to get that at a big arena. Yeah. Like we've, yeah, we've, we've been saying a couple, a couple times on the show recently that like Saturday, Saturday is, is it for us, obviously it's going to vary from person to person, but like Saturday is an absolute, 
uh, you've made a nightmare for us, Nick, of like nonstop schedule oh, you conflicts. Saw, you saw the schedule? Yeah, I know we got we took some heat for that today. But it's uh, impossible. I mean, that's what people don't understand. But, it's because yeah. we want to see every single yeah, exactly. band, though, on Saturday. So every, just for, like, for okay, it's hard. who are we going to so, go see in, at Oshiega versus who would we see? In a club or some other time, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So now we're that's that's the way that we're trying to plan it. Like literally, we have a chat with uh, two of our really good friends we go with every year, and we're just like having that negotiation between the four of us. <laughs> we're gonna need Be we're like, gonna need flowcharts and whiteboards <laughs> and, and schedule. Who's gonna split up and go where? You guys have a you guys we have. I hope you're using the app. The app's a little yeah, more, we are. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're just like taking it. We're like circling. Being like, okay, guys, this is this let's look at both like this okay cool and then we like favorite all the ones you get the yeah. reminders yeah. which <laughs> That's is the best too. thing in the whole world is those reminders yeah yeah the reminders are key like especially when i'm bit busy working and then all of a sudden i'm like something pops up and i'm like oh my god i gotta run across the field and see that before at first that, i think that was the most frustrating thing when it started getting popular like at first there was no one there so there's no one there to you know we were working and we were doing stuff but you could see most of the bands you wanted to see. And as it got more popular, more and more people demanding more and more things. And, you know, I started missing a ton of bands that I want to, that I wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And it was frustrating. I'm like, oh, I've been waiting all year to see this. And then I miss it. That sucks. So, <laughs> but I had to kind of get into the, the headspace that, you know, that was just part of it. And then we go to other people's festivals and try to see. Uh, <laughs> the ones know, that you to, missed. <laughs> exactly. Like go to, go to, you know, we're go, going to Bonnaroo or Coachella or, or you know, we went to see the Nationals Festival in Cincinnati a few years ago. That was awesome. But it's uh, it's definitely like those, uh, the curation, you know, the scheduling is a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I can't even it's imagine. So, Wait, I it's mean, so yeah. hard. I, I would and also say don't that, even like, understand it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's I was like, a, like you're, you're, especially like it, it's a testament, I think, to, I mean, well, the flip side of it is if you're, just walking around it's going to be amazing no matter where you wander around but like obviously there's going to be giant conflicts you have music playing on multiple stages right so for someone two of those bands are going to be like playing at the same time yeah. like it's it's you're... running back and forth <laughs> yeah. uh, we always try to we tried to early it. on to like have like that 10 minute gap or 15 minutes you know it's like i love seeing people running across the, the site mm -hmm. to catch 20 minutes or 15 minutes of of something and that's amazing and it was always about the discovery for us anyways you know the early days it was discovering new bands you know it was the more like the the traditional bands that people knew and then they having to discover you know all of these cool new up-and-coming bands and that's kind of transitioned over time to you know when we've had bands like nick cave and the replacements and older bands that skew and it's like how do we put them in a place where these kids who've never heard of them are going to respect them and give them the time of day and, 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 and well, appreciate it. So that's where I think the scheduling comes in and trying to get those bands in the right position. And people don't realize how hard that is. It's like, you want to make sure that, you know, I wanted new order to be huge when they played. So I wanted new order. I wanted these kids to see new order. Cause I knew that they would know the music and I knew that they would. Yeah. And, and, the, and talking to the band after like seeing them after the show and they were like, that was brilliant. You know, they were so into it and we didn't know what the stages side by side, how that would work. And a lot of people feel a bit anxious about the side by side stage thing, but when it, uh, um, when it, when it works and when you get that, that, that Nick cave into Jack white or whatever, oh that, my God, yeah. the, the crowd is like, is like 
what is this i'm looking you know i'm I'm here for this but i'm looking at this and i knew that if they saw him they would become fans because you cannot watch nick cave and not become a fan yeah. so. i don't I know like, how anyone can watch nick cave and like not move like yeah. every we actually saw that too we're just like oh my god i wonder how many people are actually gonna you know watch nick cave like we turn around and we just see like everyone that was like pushing against the gate that we're waiting yeah. for Jack White, like really going there. And then like all these like, <laughs> like 20 year old girls, like being like, Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm just like, he still got it. He still got it. <laughs> like, like take, take, take my clothes. <laughs> I think he actually got some clothes on stage. Yes. I'm not even joking. I'm not, I think, I, what surprised me. Like, and, and I was like, of course he does because it's Nick Cave, but you know, yeah. it's, people that never heard they were they were just like oh what is this, this is cool okay yeah, exactly cool. like like the the or like the 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 early people who were showing up to like post up for jack white were getting really just like sucked into like nick's like charisma and performance vortex like it was yeah it was kind of great it was jack it was i'm not it, it I'm was not it was 100 percent jack and i can remember okay, yeah. because right when he started the set he literally was like he was like it's he was watching too yeah but he was like it's yeah. wild to me that I'm not opening for Nick Cave. Like he's like, yeah, I remember that. I yeah. should have, like, you yeah. should have watched me and then seen Nick Cave. Like he actually like made the observation of being like, that's how he feels as a musician. That's no, like- no, for sure. And that, I mean, and I think that's goes to the, you know, the whole scheduling thing. And the scheduling thing is uh, is super tricky because what people don't realize is that some bands are coming in late mm-hmm. and they have to play later, or some bands need to leave early. So they've got to play earlier in the day and some bands want to play at night at all costs. Yeah. So they'll willing to play on a smaller stage and, you know, so there's all of these things that you have to take into consideration as well as, you know, we sit with the booking group and we're like six people or whatever going, all right, can we put Dua Lipa against, you know, what is, you know, how do we do this? How do we, and try to get like two or three acts in a row that we think are going to be, um, you know, appealing to like, if you're over on green Valley, you know, we want to make, we want to make it so that you're hopefully going to be two or three acts in a row. If you're going to go all the way over there, <laughs> that it's worth your time. So it's really become this, this, uh, this, this crazy puzzle that we have to put together as well. You know, I know the, the poster thing is the other, the other crazy puzzle that we have to put together. But, yeah. Well, uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, yeah, we, like we, uh, like on, on our show, we, we, we said like the no headliner and we just use like the top line, to to mean headliner and but like it's there's a couple there's so things many that, headliners even like as you go yeah like, exactly so you're like how did this how did this get get down there so i mean i have i have a couple questions about the poster and and the lineup and everything else like when we go in and we do our like our deep dive into the whole lineup i'm sometimes i'm like blown away by some of the like in my mind a smaller act like say that all of a sudden they have like 500,000 subscribers on Google music or, or whatever else, because like they they've blown up in such a way online that even though I'm, you know, old, old person as maybe just finding out about them for the first time, they already have like half a million this followers. huge fan base. Yeah. I know it's crazy. Yeah. And you're like, but they're, they're like halfway down the lineup. So where, where does that, uh, I mean, I guess like obviously like the, the big, the big name on the poster is the last act of the day on the big stage. But then there's also a headliner to each small stage or smaller yep. stage uh, who may or may not make your top line. Like, like, where's the where's the logic there when you're like, OK, who gets who gets to be uh, on line one? <laughs> there is no exact science. I've got to be honest. It's a lot of like pain and suffering uh, for the team. 
And Daniel <laughs> Daniel Glick, who's been doing this with me since the beginning, uh, is the guy who's been taking the brunt of uh, of trying to figure this out. And it's become, I mean, early on, it didn't matter. Like people were just like, okay, we're on the poster, and you put them where, you know, we would put them where we thought it made sense. No one really cared. Obviously, the headliners had to be at. The, you put the strongest acts at the top, and I think back in the day, it was easier to tell who the strongest acts were. There wasn't as many metrics. It's like you sold a lot of records and you got some radio. You were going to be higher up than, or if you sold concert tickets, that's how we looked at a lot of things. Yeah. Over time, the just straight up concert ticket sales has has is one of the one of the metrics we look at. But obviously, the bands are like, I have. 1.6 billion streams i i need to be on you know line two far <laughs> left line three i can't be on line three or else i'm gonna you know it's a lot of it is dictated by the artists themselves right. and mm -hmm. what's happened over time is the value proposition to the band because of where they are on a poster is is important so if you're on you know everyone looks at coachella it's like okay whoa second line coachella that band must be big and they're worth more money and they can go back they can go for the next festival offer they can say hey i was on the second line of coachella so i'm big and you're like uh yeah yeah you are and then you it's it, so it's all kind of this weird dance where some agents care more than others some artists care more than others some managers care more than others mm -hmm. um and it just becomes this you know we had like we were three we, we used to try to do it all like up until i guess three years ago we tried to do it all on on uh, one giant poster, but it was it got to the point where we you know I was going to lose Dan. He was going to he was going <laughs> to jump in front of jump in front of you know he couldn't. We it was Dan's our like, hero. It would have been impossible. Like it was just getting to the point where it was, I don't even know. Like Lollapalooza still does it, and they're like one of the only last festival standing that doesn't hasn't gone to the the single day lineup because it's really, really, really hard. We also got tired of our fans being like, well, who's playing Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And early on we wanted people to buy for three days. Mm -hmm. And that was really the impetus for, for doing the, the full, the full lineup on one, on one poster. But over time it's like, okay, you know what? We're, we're not, you know, it's doing well and people are coming and if they want to come for, you know, for me, it was like, Oh, you need to come for the two days or you need to come for the three days to get the full experience. And, you know, I, I got past that and realized that there was, I'm just happy to have anyone come any, you know, come for a half day for all I care. Yeah. You're, you're coming to discover for a half day. That's yeah. all that matters. So I think the poster has taken on this epic, like, you know, urban legends of like bands <laughs> pulling off and it happens, you know, what happens bands are not happy with their placement and they, they decide to pull off the festival um and we'll blame the festival of course like we get blamed for everything but, uh, yeah of course it's like i wish I, I wish i could say that it was based on some algorithm that would make my life easier but it's based on it's based on so many things that are and like hip-hop overperforms on on a streaming compared to indie rock so you know yeah artists will be like well I, how, how come i've never even heard of that guy i'm like yeah well he's been around for 30 years and you're just starting out and you have seven million more streams yeah. but you know that artist that you don't know sells out you know everywhere here. exactly yeah, so exactly. it's it's a it's a difficult difficult dance and uh like, i wish you know weirdly elvis costello isn't that big on soundcloud you know <laughs> like, no, <it's> just... <laughs> surprisingly, yeah. i 
don't know why. I don't know why. And I think over time, and you've seen it, like the people coming out with the the one thing I never want to do is the alphabetical order. Poster. Oh no! And, and that's coming. I mean, that a lot of festivals have given up because this is just too hard. Um, so it's 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 incredibly challenging to do and. Uh, over time, it's not gotten any easier. And I, I don't know, we're, or I'm hoping that we never get to the point where we have to do the alphabetical. Because alphabetical to me just saps all the curation, all of the, all of the reasoning behind what you're doing. And it, it, I think it's a disservice to the artists as well. I mean, yeah. I, I was going to say, I was like, it, you know, you could just say it's an algorithm. And then like when all the, the managers and the artists, whatever, you're like, man, it's not me. It's the algorithm. It's, it's the algorithm. I'm going to do that. <laughs> Yeah. I've got to get someone someone to create the AI. I'd like to get a, a yeah. robot. To, like, listen, what, what can it. I tell you? All the data goes in, poster comes I, out. That's it. This, you know, it's all weighted. The metrics, ticket sales versus history versus amount of music versus, yeah. It's, it's, it's challenging. Uh, it's challenging. So, I mean, like, the poster, I guess, is just I, like one, like, tip of the iceberg, I'm sure, in terms of... Uh, but like we're already coming at this from a perspective where you already have the lineup. So like how does like I know like for me, you're basically making the like most epic mixtape of all time when you're trying to book a festival. <laughs> right. And it's like and I put I like, like that. A I like that I like that analogy. That's a good uh, epic mixtape. <laughs> yeah, it is. So yeah, exactly. That's it. And like obviously I'll put a ton of thought and effort into like literally just not the, the artists that I'm picking uh, for a mixtape for, you know, mixtape. Listen, kids, mixtapes are when you <laughs> put yeah. a, recorded a s- certain number of songs oh, yeah. uh, on a on a cassette deck. Yeah. yeah. Like on a cassette player. But yeah. So but when you're Walkman. just when you're sitting there and I mean, you're obviously, I guess, somewhat limited by bands that are touring and band schedules like there's there is at least some some brackets around your process. But then you're going to sit there and look at this massive deck of artists that are touring. Uh, what what's the what's the process? <laughs> like, how how are you? Okay, I, I definitely want this person. I'd like to have this person. Like, like what's? I know you're a small group of people doing it. It's just mind boggling. Yeah. Once once again, I'd like to say there was some kind of method to the madness, but uh, <laughs> I think over time it's it's evolved to the point where it's become you want to have enough of every kind of genre to make it compelling for someone who's coming for three days. That's always kind of my goal. Mm -hmm. Like you want to have enough rock, you want to have enough hip hop, you want to have enough pop, you want to have enough, you know, electronic. And how do you mash that all into a multi-day festival with numerous stages? It kind of starts, I mean, mostly it's, you know, we get a ton of submissions from agents Mm -hmm. and then it sort of goes to, like, it starts with the headliners Mm -hmm. and uh, headliners for me have never, you know, early on, I was like, it's not, we're not a headliner festival. We're not about the headliners. Mm -hmm. We never want to be about the headliners. We want to be about top to bottom. Uh, The whole lineup is important. We sweat every single artist. We want to make it, we want people to to want to be there at two o'clock in the afternoon this year. Yeah. So uh, it's, so there's that that idea that everything is important and every slot's important and everything needs to flow together. But now, as unfortunately with social, I mean, there's so many good and bad things with social media. Is we get compared to, to other festivals all the time, mm-hmm. and even though we have, you know, Oshaga's got, I can't even imagine what the budget is to book Coachella or 
Lollapalooza or any of these festivals where they actually collect their money in American dollars versus <laughs> Canadian dollars and yeah. artists in American dollars. So it's always super flattering to be, oh, the, the Canadian Coachella or whatever. You're getting compared to all these other great festivals, but we don't have the budgets that they have. So we have to, we have that 100%. We have to work in a different way. So it's gotten to the point where if you don't have good headliners right off the bat, then, you know, if you don't have like name recognition at the top of your lineup, then people will just trash it and they won't even look at it. And that's what, you know, it's depressing because I'm like our lineups, I'm like, dig, dig two, three lines down. You're going to keep it. It's still good. Yeah. Four lines down. It's still good. You know, a lot of, a lot, a lot of festivals, you know, top load their lineup and they, they pay a lot of money for the top line or two and, and then it drops off drastically in terms of popularity and interest in this. So, I mean, maybe the artists are interesting. I just haven't heard of them. Um, so <laughs> it's, it starts, like I'd say, it starts with the headliners. And then once we sort of figure out the direction we're going in, um, then we just kind of try to fill in the blanks. And then it just kind of becomes this weird tapestry of mosaic of, we used to do it. We place like bands on the board and move them around. And now we have, computers and stuff so we, we don't do that anymore but it's uh it's like i said a huge amount of artists come in from the agents and they're like these are the bands that we were hoping to get on this year these are the bands that we touring uh and then each agent will have the acts that they're pushing even harder mm-hmm. and that's where it really gets gets into the nitty-gritty is like okay you know it's an artist, especially if it's an artist like the Free Fighters that we were trying to get forever. Yeah. You know, we'll focus on that. And then it's like, okay, you've got that piece. What goes good with the Foo Fighters? You know, we always try to, historically, we we try to have a, you know, hip hop artist on the, on the, up there top somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we look at all these different things and then it's genre. It's like, you know, some years we get the balance right. Some years we don't get the balance as right. Some year we hit home runs on, uh, on all the opening act, on all the earlier undercard stuff blowing up, like you said, like, you know, you book enough Monsters and Men, you know, seven, eight years ago, whatever, and, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that act goes from being nowhere to top, yeah. you know, to the most most played track in, this, in the world in three or six months. So you, you get that, when you get, you know, we had one year where the year Dua Lipa played, and then we had Dua Lipa Post Malone. Um, you know, like three or four artists that just blew up from the minute from when we booked them to when the festival happened. Yeah. And that's, that's like, you get lucky or you don't. And some years we're like, you know, Oh sure. That band was going to blow up and they didn't, or, yeah. you know, and so then you get kind of that, that balance. So we try to get the up and coming stuff. That's going to be strong. And we try to get the historical, you know, more traditional acts. So how do you get that balance? And then, like I said, sometimes we're good. Sometimes we nail it. I feel like we nail it. And then sometimes you look back in the lineup and you're like, yeah, it wasn't our best work. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that there are two, two acts stuck out to me this year. Uh, specifically, it was, uh, a, and it was, and it was, it was crazy because I, I looked in the historical to see when they played. And it was 2017 that they were both playing 2017, which was Jacob Banks and Men I Trust, which were hmm. in 2017 were absolutely like new discovery bands and you're like flash forward to like five years later and they both have like done the like way more work reduced produced way more albums have these like blowing up fan bases and stuff so you're like oh yeah but like when we saw them in 2017 and like 2017 was not that long ago you know like it was just like for sure like they oceaga was just sort of like 
oh, they were, you know, like to go back to the poster, they were maybe on like the second or third from the bottom line. And now they're like halfway up. Like, and you like almost see that in real time kind of, uh, kind of progressing. You can, uh, if you look at the posters historically, like black keys, I remember playing it. Like, I think they played it at like two o'clock in year two or something. Yeah. And then they were, and then, you know, a few years later they were headlining, but watching their progression of, you know, metric, I think is the artist that's probably one of the artists that's played the festival the most mm -hmm. often. And, you know, watching the, the arc of someone's career, through a festival poster and their performances is it's kind of fun for me to to sit back 15 years into this and be looking at it and going you remember that time when you know so and so played at one o'clock in the pouring rain and now they're huge or you know travis scott i think it was was it i think it was travis who showed up late and like had to jump up like his first time he played yeah and yeah you know he was super late they said it already passed and he ended up playing jumping on top of the sennheiser tent and doing like an impromptu 30 minutes set. So, you know, those kinds of things are like just, you know, you can't you can't predict but how they're how they're gonna end up. Yeah. You right, never yeah. know. Yeah, the one you never know. Definitely sticks out for me it was like childish Gambino, like the first time, mm. mid middle of the day, kind of like not not to say struggling, but he was like just in the process of like transitioning like out of comedy into musician. So it was still kind of like even finding his like sea legs as a musical performer in the middle of the day on a Saturday versus flash forward later and to one of the most epic, epic that sets ever. Amazing. Like complete yeah, insanity. He just, that was, yeah. yeah. He just owned it, owned the stage, owned the people, owned everything. Yeah. And the weekend, I remember the weekend doing like a five o'clock or whatever set. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, hey, I don't have something there. And he'd sold out on Telus and <laughs> travels at the time. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure how this is gonna, like it just, you're right. It was like on its way to yeah. being what it became. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing better than watching, you know, these bands start out um, really, really, really at the beginning and, and seeing them progress and, you know, a band like Portugal, the man that I absolutely love and having them play, you know, when it, when it becomes an act that's played a few times and their agent is like, you know, they want to come back this year. They really want to come back. They really want to come back. And you're like, and it means something because they were there early yeah. and they supported us. And, yeah. you know, it's usually it's usually because they want to eat catering, but um, <laughs> you know, like, they just sick. really want Listen, that food. <laughs> this whole tour, they've been eating like hot dogs and chips. They just want that Chuck Hughes yeah. food. That's like what they're they want to, exactly. They want to they want to have a you know they want to check out the prosciutto slicing station backstage. Yeah. I'm like dying. Okay? okay, I'm dying to know because this year has actually been a huge year of discovery for me because I feel like I just stopped listening to music uh, during the pandemic. Yeah. and only watched uh, horrible news and podcasts so uh i was super healthy uh, <laughs> but I was now say, a lot of a music. lot of our music does get discovered through shows so like deduct shows and yeah it's true and then we're kind of nowhere um but i'm dying to know because you're talking about like people who are up and coming like or bands that you wanted to see and you didn't get to see in the past like what do I, what what should I watch this year? Because like oh boy, I know yeah. right. Next next picks, baby. Because <laughs> I'm ha I, I like I have a lot of conflicts. All right, and I want to know if you if you were me, what would you do? Like, oh boy, three, top You're, three. No pressure, no pressure. And then we're, we're gonna do the follow-up show oh later God. and be like, you know what? This, this one. <laughs> you know what top I'm excited? You know it's it's funny. Like idols for me is is is. Uh, you know, I'm I come from the old like I'm a I'm an old punker at heart, mm -hmm. and uh, 
you know, Turnstile at Idols. I'm super okay. excited about those two. I'm, uh, just because... I'm dying to see Turnstiles. Like, this is a discovery for me. I literally told my entire office and played other discography. <laughs> I love it. They're the best. Sorry, continue. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm also into super melodic stuff. Like, those two, so those kind of speak to a different era for me, like a kind of a... You know, anyways, looking forward to both of those. I really like the last... And then, uh, you know, my daughter... I remember her going to see Mitski, I think it was 2019. My daughter just turned 15. And she dragged my, my cousin, who's my older cousin. She's like, she's like, I want to go see this. And she's like 12 or 11 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they went, you know, and I forget what I was watching, but it was not Mitski. It was, I forget what it was. And then they came back and they, they just raved about it for like, every time I you know, saw my cousin, she's from Toronto. Every, they were all like, oh, Mitski, Mitski, Mitski. And my daughter is like, like hugely obsessed. So then... <laughs> Her first show that she ever went to see on her own with a friend was Mitski at Saint-Denis. And I absolutely think that their, Mitski's new record is brilliant. So now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to watch that set because I want to see, uh, I want to see her perform. And I'm like, super excited about that. I love uh, Slow Ties, another one I'm really, really excited about. Yes. Um, also, Mitski yeah. we saw in 2019 too. So we were probably dancing with your daughter. I don't know. Yeah, you're probably dancing with her. She was she was probably the, the, the youngest kid there at the time. Yeah, I, uh, I remember kids. That's why I was like, I'm, I was probably dancing with her. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, Slow Tide is a good one. I'm excited about um, – there's a lot of really, you know, it's hard to pick. It's like it trying is. to pick your, pick your favorite child. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, you know, we got some like interesting things that were, you know, like kind of out there. I'm curious to see Porter Robinson just to see how that set, you know, he's huge in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've seen his stuff. I've seen him in some, like, it's more of a, in St. John, really excited about. Uh, oh, yeah. St. John is on my list for the next episode. Spoilers. <laughs> Glass Animals, I really like the new record. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of like their oh their 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 sets at Oshaga have been legendary, mm-hmm. uh, and of course Arcade Fire. You know, fifteenth mm-hmm. anniversary, having Arcade Fire step in uh, to fill the void that the Food Fighters left um, is just you know it was such a it, I don't know it was just timely. The record was coming out, and you yeah. know they 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 reached out and they stepped they were like you know into it. And uh, I think that that's going to be really, really um, a special set. Yeah. The new record's great, too. I think on the smaller stuff, Sad Night Dynamite is interesting. Uh, Pierre Bourne, super interesting. This band group project that we work with, this really cool young pop band uh, from Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them just because I've watched the drummer grow up from the age of zero to now. Oh wow! Okay. No way! <laughs> looking forward, looking forward to seeing them on a stage. So that's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Uh, Hallucination. I mean, I'm going to just name everybody band, aren't I? Just gonna be like <laughs> well, I'll give you one last one. Um, uh, last one, last one. I promise. So I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think everybody. I, I, I can't even imagine what a hundred, the hundred gex set is going to be like. I think everybody's got to see that just because it is like. You know, it's of all the things on this lineup, I think it's going to be one of the craziest. It's, 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 you know, when we first got pitched it and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and then, you know, 
it's always takes somebody in the team to champion something and they're like, no, no, you gotta give this, you gotta, you, you gotta listen to this. It's gotta, it's gotta, it's gotta real, if there's something there and then yeah. it's like, you listen to it and you're like, you saw, I saw the videos. And I was like, this is just, this is crazy. We got to do this. Yeah. And I'd say the last one is uh wet leg who, uh, oh, yeah. who are our sleeper this year. They've, they've blown up. They've come out of nowhere. You know, when we got it, it was a, they had, we got a three song EP or whatever. And that was all they had on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just so refreshingly, you know, post punk kind of mm -hmm. refreshing, just like, just grab a guitar and play it. I love that. Kind of love that just like rawness. So I think, you know, we're taking a lot of heat for wet leg playing on the tree stage from, uh, <laughs> from the loyal, the loyal fans on Reddit are, are letting us have it, but <laughs> you know, we know they're big. We know they're big. But you know what? It's going to be an even better experience. Everyone's going to be crowded in. They're all going to be dancing. <laughs> figure it out. We always figure it out. I remember 070 shake in the massive, in like in the tree stage. And it was like, it, it, you, you're part of something. You're out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, yeah. but you're close, close right. enough to know that you're close enough to hear what's going on. That's what matters. I, I have two last like relate related questions. They're they're about about artists, but in different ways. They're, one is has there ever been uh, like for lack of a better term like a vanity booking for you where you were like, listen, I know this isn't going to draw, but I want to see this person <laughs> and they're touring like we always make jokes one of our i mean uh one of our buddies uh runs the fairmount and he's like mm -hmm. listen he's like i am a dude in my 40s i came up listening to drum and bass every now and then i know i'm gonna like not sell tickets but i'm gonna bring a drum and bass guy in yeah. and it's just a, a calculated <laughs> it's, gonna be, it's gonna be a bunch of 40 year old dudes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's like, it's, he's, like, he's, like, he's, he's like, exactly. That's it. He's like, you can't, he's like, I know I can't run my business that way, but he's like, every now yeah. and then I'm going to be like, no, I'm, this is for me. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think I've ever intentionally booked something that I didn't think would do well. I've booked things that were literally, you know, I love Guster and they're this band out of, you know, they're from, from the States, but yeah. like they were called indie, they were college, college band that does really well in like Vermont, Maine, okay. you know, they're kind of a jammy jam band. And they do they're, and, and the singer actually lives in, in Burlington, Vermont now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I want to do it more than anything because I think if people get to see them, they're great songwriters. They're, yeah. you know, super melodic, beautiful songs. Guster on Ice, I highly recommend it if you want to, if you want to take a deep dive into the, the live music of Guster. So I booked that and I remember thinking everyone in the, in my, in, you know, also my morning jacket, another one of those kind of jam band vibe yeah. things that, and my, my team's like, dude, nobody in Montreal cares about either of those bands. I'm like, I know, but people from outside of Montreal care and people will come and it's exciting. So sometimes I take liberties. I'm, I get, you know, I get voted out, all voted down all the time by my team. <laughs> I used to think I had, I used to think I had ultimate veto power and I could book whatever I wanted when I wanted to. But often for me, it's like, uh, you know, the replacements reforming, like the replacements were one of the bands that I grew up listening to that I absolutely, absolutely love and love to this day. Mm -hmm. Flew to Chicago to see them at Riot Fest with my wife. And then, uh, you know, when we had the opportunity to do it, I'm like, we're going to do it no matter what. Will the kids get it? And that's where it becomes curation and education. And it's like, you don't know who these guys are, but you should. And all of the bands that you listen to, you know, they were influenced by them, whether they know it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think my guilty pleasures have always kind of been stuff that 
I think is really great. Like, like a new order type situation where mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to put new order in the best, you know, I love, I love new wave music. I mm-hmm. love punk rock. I love metal. I love hip hop. I love everything. And, uh, but you know, if I fan like a band that one, I need feels to be there and should have the respect. And I, I want to see them, you know, it's like Elvis Costello. Uh, uh, that was beautiful. You know, I love Elvis way. Costello. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I remember we, it was that kind of like, oh, you know, we played for two and a half hours. The Cure played for like two and a half hours. And you're going to lose some people. And, you know, we're going to make decisions that aren't always as popular. But, you know, if I get a chance to book, to book Elvis Costello, I'm going to book Elvis Costello, you know. And, and think, uh, it, was, um, it was so funny just watching the difference. I think uh, we, just, we talked about Nick Cave earlier. It was like, like Nick Cave was like, I'm not going to start playing until I'm sure that everybody's standing in front of me. It's like, here for me. Yeah. he's like, if people yeah. are leaving, I'll wait. And like, whereas Elvis Costello, like just opposite end of the spectrum was like, Oh, I'll play you guys out then. Like, you know, just yeah. like, like as some people are leaving, he's like, I have, you know, uh, a catalog a mile long. He's like, I can go all night up here. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, uh, it was a, so yeah, I'd say that you know, there's never really been a, an act that I put on that I didn't think would do any. That everything has a place, so mm-hmm. a reason for being there. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I said, the, the the counterpoint of that was: Have you ever had like what's the uh, what's the the elusive like mm. dream act? Well, I mean, you already mentioned Foo Fighters. Were yeah, were I mean, elusive. Radiohead was yeah. Radiohead was that act for a long time. Beck was that act for in the early days too. We really wanted Beck. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for me. You know, everybody dreams of having Daft Punk on their festival, but you know, if Daft Punk reforms, Daft Punk reforms, they're on the list um, at the top, somewhere near the top for sure. Uh, I would say, um, I would love Depeche Mode to play Oshaga. That would be a huge, uh, mm-hmm. a huge, a huge win for me uh, musically, and I think people, I think people would respect it. I think it would do great. They've they've just written written like hundreds of hits in their career and they're amazing um i know it's funny when we did uh chemical brothers a few years ago Mm -hmm. and i was like you know what it's like everybody would it it was everyone was accusing all the festivals of being homogenous and playing the same having all the same acts and they started we started to feel like like you know we need to take a bit more maybe start taking more risks and taking a, a step away from from what you know necessarily uh, what the, the, the kind of path we've been going on so we kind of wanted to to shake things up a bit i think with the chemical brothers you know nick cave those artists where it's like you're you're looking at some like a body of work and and, and knowing the level of the show that's going to be spectacular mm-hmm. and knowing that chemical brothers was going to do like this european show with massive production and mm-hmm. and lights and sound that was but if you take some risks doing kind of stuff like that so i think for me depeche mode would be in that you know they're a huge arena act, so I think people will come regardless, and we'll get new fans out. Mm-hmm. Uh, other artists, I'm trying to think. You know, like in 15 years, we've pretty much we've got. There's no a like hell the, the bucket list of, has been checked off. Yeah, the bucket <laughs> list is the bucket list is gradually you know getting checked off, including artists that I never thought we'd ever get. So uh, I feel pretty fortunate that we've been able to survive this long as a festival, and we've been able to check most of the bucket list, but. Uh, yeah, there's still a few on there that I, there's there's still some stuff I I would like to see, and I, I think Depeche Mode would be at the top of that list. Awesome for me. It's funny you mentioned Chemical Brothers because I remember online that there was like mm. not necessarily. I'm sure there there's 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 
like you said, kickback all the time, Reddit and hate? Twitter and whatever. There was, there was straight up hate. There, there was yeah. hate that they were booked. There, haters. there was also like haters that they were headlining. Right? Yeah, I don't understand that. And like, I was people like, are insane. I was like, it's the Chemical Brothers, guys. What are you talking about? Like, of course they're going to headline. Like, Okay, that was probably the craziest show. I mean, just like their light work. I, oh my god the i i literally the marching was like, guys like yeah it was like intense i i literally <laughs> this is how much i thought that things were happening because i was like i'm so into it and i was just watching the light show also um with their music and it was like going with it and everything and then we have a friend who is a master of light and i was like man chemical brothers this is so like this really cool thing. I don't even know how they did it. It looked like 3D, like they're over the crowd. <laughs> and he's like, that's not what happened. Yeah, he's, he's like, this is what it looks like as a normal person. <laughs> that's not what happened. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, he's like, it's a screen and there's like, like, like four foreshadowing tricks that makes you think it's kind of coming out when it's like, not yeah, and like... the lasers and yeah, yeah and it was it's... just so epic. It was, it was, yeah, no, it insane. insane. Yeah, it was insane. And people that didn't even know them were like, Oh my, now I get why you did this because it, yeah. it totally made sense. I think Nine Inch Nails would fit into that category too as a band that I think if they could play, if they played Oceaga, people would just be completely, uh, you know, the show is so visual and stunning mm -hmm. and, and entertaining that um, it would be pretty cool to do that as well. Yeah. Well, Nine we had a hard time that. trying to get a spot for Chemical Brothers, so all those haters turned around real fast <laughs> yeah I was, I was like i don't see like i feel anybody just wandering around saturday night that like heard or saw what was happening on that stage was like just drawn in like a magnet at that point to be like even if if they were haters in the morning when they were like chemical brothers is headlining i was like it was there was no question i think once they like saw and heard what was happening it had to be it had to be in darkness like that was the key to that oh, act too. Yeah. like there's certain acts you know I was really disappointed that we didn't get to do Kraftwerk uh, oh, in yeah. 2020 yeah, they, that was, because that of the was... cancellation. I was looking forward to our first 3D, you know, Kraftwerk in 3D outdoors. I think that would have been that would have been hilarious. Yeah. So, how about you guys? What are you, what are you most excited to see this year? Oof. Narrowing it down to two artists. That's all you get. Two, two artists. Each. Two artists. Two each. I will. I will say my my. Well, I mean, Sarah. Or I know one of Sarah's turnstile. Like, because we always talk about like like our can't miss. Like, because again, we know there's going to be conflicts. We know you need to eat at some point. We know like there's there's traveling. Uh, Sarah, for, I know one of hers for sure. She already mentioned it. My first 100% can't miss is Sampa the Great. I was gonna say. I knew nice. you were gonna say Sampa because she's so fucking cool. I love her. And I can't wait to see like all like the design in her clothing and everything yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. But they they really put a lot of effort, and you can tell they put like a hundred and ten thousand yeah. percent into their set. She's another one that I'm. I would not be surprised if like four or five years from now is like main stage level. Like her and her production stuff. Like if you looked at what she was doing in Australia and whatever. Like she had like she has a two hour set that involves like poetry and visuals and everything. Like and it's it's madness so yeah she sampa's definitely one of my can't misses interesting sarah i mean you already said okay it, basically. i know but like i i can't well let's say like let's say i already said yeah. turnstile okay so now i get two extra <laughs> so now i get, two, get two extra, extra. Okay. for extra okay, okay. <laughs> oh i'm a little See, upset. hard yeah I'm a little obsessed with Ty Veritas right now, so I'm really excited. Oh, to Ty's see amazing. Yeah. 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 
Um, that's an, that's another one that I think could has the potential to just be, you know, like top getting moving up really quickly in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm I'm I'm, st- I'm excited to see that set too. Actually, I'd also say my other. I'm looking again. I'm trying to like really just pick like the the people who I'm absolutely going to watch start to finish and not miss like a minute and not and not who i've already seen that's the other thing yeah of course like you uh burn a boy it's gonna be burn a boy awesome isn't yeah. yeah yeah that's gonna be intense uh, but i like that's like a gimme like that's not fair. yeah that's a gimme those are easy the top ones are easy uh yeah. i would say probably my other can't miss uh and again just for the showmanship of it all uh would be bleachers like oh yeah bleachers for you definitely yeah just 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 seeing them channel the e street band in a billion different ways uh like uh, as as he slowly becomes more and more just young bruce springsteen as an artist uh yeah like just watching up there to see like it's pretty rare to see like rock and roll with like a brass section no it's for sure. I think that day is super interesting like yeah. in terms of, you know, Bleachers, Arkells, you know, come from kind of a, mm-hmm. a similar world. And uh, mm-hmm. and then you get into the like the Krungbin and, uh, you know, Polo and Pan. It's, I don't know, Saturday, 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 Saturday is always really our toughest tough. day. Saturday is yes. always, it's our toughest day to sell tickets for generally for some unknown reason. And we what? don't, we share a lot of, we share a lot of artists with, with, uh, with, with Lollapalooza, but historically Saturday was the one day where we didn't share artists because we, you know, we couldn't, an artist couldn't, when they added their Thursday, our Saturdays got easier, but it, it's still, Saturdays always seems to be for some reason our most challenging day. But this year, like it just, it felt really, fell into place really good. So the, up, the upside you got your... one more each. Oh, no, I already, I already went to, I went Sampa and Bleachers. Well, that's so. true. And, Although Sarah already took, Sarah took turns. Sarah said too. she gets an extra one. So. I get an extra. The other one doesn't count because I already talked about it. I'm having a really hard time. Good. That's a good sign. Oh my god, I'm really like panicking. Okay, Bia, I'm gonna oh, yeah. say it. Wow. Bia, I'm gonna. Nice. I, I'm. I'm like really excited. Yeah, Bia, that's gonna be another one that I absolutely want to absolutely see. It. Yeah. And out of the ones that I haven't seen before, because it's hard, because I'm like, I've seen this one, I've seen this one, yeah, and then I'm like, like, I really want to see this or this. So, like yeah. Arcade Fire is a can't miss, but we've seen Arcade Fire like several yeah, times. Yeah, local natives is it? Local natives for me is a can't miss, but I've seen them a bunch of times. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's hard. It's it hard. is hard. It's not easy. And then I was like, oh, take your bank. I'm like, seen them, yeah. Misty. So I haven't seen them, and I'm like going through the, the list, and I'm like, oh my god, seen them, seen them, seen them, and I'm just like, yeah, I think Thea, I have never seen. And she was also a discovery for me. So like Ty Verdes and Bia were discoveries, which I'm like super excited about. And yeah, I'm gonna just be like jaw dropped and I'm gonna have to like pick it up as I watch them. <laughs> That's what I wanna hear. <laughs> yeah, Nick, we could, I could just sit here and talk to you about the festival music and whatever for, for hours and hours longer. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. It was super fun. Oh my god. Are you crazy? This is amazing. I'm like, I was so nervous.
Hey there. Thanks for listening. Obviously, if you enjoyed the show, uh, tell your friends about it. Talk to us. You can, wherever you saw the show, feel free to engage with us. We're both very friendly. I uh, promise you. Um, just so you know, if you do enjoy the show and like our vibe, uh, we do run a website called 9to5.cc where we have a bunch of other podcasts on the show. We have Go Plug Yourself, where we talk to interesting Montrealers, and we have 9ES, which is more of a pop culture show. So if that either of those two things seem like your vibe, uh, go check out 9to5.cc. Um, otherwise, can't wait to see you at Oshiaga. Bye. 9to5.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.